We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast presented by Overtime Media. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Aaron Lemming. Aaron, man, we didn't want the season to end, but God, it's just Sunday. The Bears couldn't beat the Eagles. They blew it. Cody Parkey missed a field goal, and it was just all downhill from there. You know, man, it's amazing because it's like the game was, I mean, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and, I mean, the game was Sunday. I mean, it, it it's been, what, about three actual calendar days since they lost, and it feels like an eternity. It feels like the Bears season was weeks ago, you know, and it's 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 one of those things, I think, at least going into it, I think a lot of us, if, if you would have told a lot of people that the Bears would have been 12-4 and four and they would have made the playoffs, regardless of what they did in the playoffs, I think a lot of fans would have taken that. But I think that obviously with everything that happened and, you know, all the hype leading into it and the fact that the Bears were a lot better than people thought and because of their defense, because they played a home game, I think people are at least expecting a win. So, I mean, in, in some ways, it's like this season was an absolute win. I don't think there's any way around that. But at the same time, I think that everybody can agree, especially with the way that it ended. It was just a disappointing, just a disappointing way to go out. Yeah, I told you before we even recorded the show, I said, you know, when Parky missed that kick and the double doink, I kind of sat in the press box and just kind of stared as, you know, the Eagles knelt and um, ended the cl- ended the game, essentially, and they're out there celebrating. I just, I kind of stared because it was just like a weird, empty feeling. And, like, I, I know I predicted before the season 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, um, and seven at best, I said. But I never really thought the Bears had a shot to win the NFC North. And I, I'll be the first one to admit it. I was, I thought... This first year under Matt Nagy was going to be kind of like a learning year. They'll get, they'll be better. They'll, you know, they'll reach the eight win, maybe nine wins, and then kind of miss out on the playoffs, just being that wild card hunt. But once we got into November and the playoffs became like a possibility, and winning the division became a realistic possibility, I think the the hype around the team and the excitement and the expectations obviously grew. Um, and even going into that final week seventeen, you know, you thought, okay, this team is a legit contender, and for it to just and that way, it just like a lot, a lot of emotions, and not only for myself, I, I mean all of Bears fans, I'm sure went through all these emotions. Where now what? Like now we're in the off season because at least in years past, like I I don't know how it was for you. I'm sure it was probably the same. I mean you were probably working on off season articles in 
week 13, week 14, and getting ready for that. Well, if we're being completely honest, I mean, the last three years up until this year, I was I was already doing draft stuff in, in October and looking at free agency stuff in October. I mean, that was just kind of the way it went. And it's I think it's more one of those things, at least for me, and I won't speak for everybody, for, but for me, I'm not – it's one of those things I'm I'm more than satisfied and somewhat surprised at how well the Bears did this season. I'm not disappointed. I mean, I'm disappointed that they lost, but I'm more disappointed just at the fact that it, it, the, the season came to such an abrupt end. You know, like the Bears season is over with. I mean, we don't I – mean, we'll have in seven months, we'll have, you know, training camp and preseason games to talk about. But, I mean, we're eight months away from the Bears even playing, an, you know, another regular season game. And it just – I mean, that's a, that's a long time away. And I think that – I think that's kind of more of what I've been dealing with most of the week is just in terms of, okay, yeah, they lost. It sucked. The way they lost really sucked because, at least for me, I mean, for most people that they know if they listen, you know, I'm in California. So I don't get to hear all the day-to-day stuff that goes on on the radio and all that stuff. So if the Bears would have lost normally, I wouldn't really see much. But the problem is the way they lost, of course, everybody's making memes. Everybody's tagging me on Facebook. I had people coming up to me at work basically Either, you know, kind of doing the, oh, I'm sorry, you know, kind of rubbing it in thing or whatever it was, you know, it's just like it was it's more of how they went out. And then, like I said, just just the realization that uh, I mean, and and we'll get to this later on, but it's just one of those things where it's this the season's over. And quite frankly, I'm not really ready to go into the offseason. I'm not ready to sit here and anticipate, especially looking at the, the bear situation. They're not going to have a ton of money. They, they have enough money to where they can do things, but they don't have a ton of money. They don't have a ton of draft picks. I mean, really, this is going to be a much more mellow offseason than what we've seen in years past. And, I mean, that's going to kind of make things drag on as well. I hate to say it, but I'm – I'm kind of hoping the White Sox actually do something of worth over the next few weeks with you know Manning Machado or something, just just so they can give me something to look forward to in terms of sports to at least get us through the next few months until we can get into free agency. <laughs> right, I, right. I'm, I'm sure there's some people in Chicago that are kind of with you, and yeah, you. I mean, you hit it right there. I mean, we probably have 32 more podcasts until actual Bears preseason games matter, which sounds like forever. You know, as we do a podcast a week. So eight months until what preseason? Maybe a little less than that. Um, yeah. About, it, oh God. Seven when it's all said and done. So I, you got seven months until preseason. You got about six and a half until training camp, and then you got about eight until the regular season starts. So it's a long way away, man. That's yeah. a, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and like you said, it's going to be kind of not. I don't I don't like to use the word boring because I think there's a lot of stuff that still goes on in the offseason, but it's not going to be as exciting as what we've seen just because, you know, the Bears are kind of strapped for that cash. Um, they don't have the first or second round pick. But, yeah, we're going to discuss that a little later. We have a jam-packed show because some big news broke today. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about the game a little bit, and then we'll get maybe a little little into the offseason. I want to kind of want to get your thoughts on these remaining playoffs, but before we do that, let's take a quick break um, to get you informed on our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. Aaron, let's get right into it today. Just a couple days after the Bears lose the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC wildcard round, uh, news broke this morning um, that defensive coordinator Vic Fangio is going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. What are your initial thoughts on that right away when you heard that news? Well, first of all, <clears throat> you know, from a from an unselfish standpoint, absolutely good for him. I've been on record uh, many times on Twitter, on the boards, everything. I didn't think there was any way in hell. I, I figured he was going to get some interviews. I was actually only surprised he he only got the one. Uh, but I didn't think there was any way he was going to get the job. Now, what I will say is that I don't think Denver is a very good situation. I really don't. I the, Denver's entire head coaching search didn't make much sense to me. You you interview a guy like Chuck Pagano. I mean, he was kind of a favorite. Then Mike Munchak. I mean, you're talking about guys that, especially Mike Munchak. I mean, he was not successful in his first go with Tennessee. Uh, Chuck Pagano. I mean, his last two years and 
and uh, Andy granted the the talent wasn't very good there but I mean he's he wasn't very good I mean there's just I don't know man there's uh, overall thoughts I guess would say that I think the Bears have a lot of defensive talent so I'm not worried in terms of the fact that they can't you know that they're gonna lose him uh you know whatever else you know they're gonna lose him and then all of a sudden all the talent's gonna go away but I'm also at a point where I'm very interested to see who they hire because the issue with this, and I'm sure you know you you can talk a little bit more about this as well. But I mean, so the thought was always that if Vic Fangio left, okay, that's fine. Todd Bowles got fired. Todd Bowles will come in. He's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, he's a little bit more aggressive. I think he would have fit the Bears very well. Um, he would be you know a great fit. And then all of a sudden, Bruce Arians gets hired in Tampa Bay. And it looks like he was going to go be the defensive coordinator there. And then Greg Gabriel actually came out this morning, and he was dead on with it. i got to give it to him. He's dead on with his information when he said that no decision had been made. But ultimately what ended up happening is, you know, Vic Fangio got the job. Uh, the Bears, you know, turned around talked to him. He was their plan A. I mean, there's just no way around it. He, Todd Bowles was their plan A. And ultimately, Todd Bowles had already given a verbal confirmation to uh, Bruce Arians. He hadn't signed a contract, uh, but he gave his verbal confirmation, and he's a man of his word. He's got a lot of loyalty. Credit to him for that, and basically said, okay, well, I'm going to Tampa Bay. So here we are, and now the Bears are looking for a defensive coordinator. And i got to be honest, I'm not overly uh, enthralled with a lot of their options right now. Yeah, I mean— so when the news did break that Fangio was leaving and going to Denver, yeah, I'm excited for him because I think he deserves a head coaching job. Um, but at the same time, you know, right after that excitement, you know, happiness for him, there was the news that Todd Bowles, you know, could possibly decide between Chicago and Tampa Bay. There was multiple reports of that out there. And you kind of felt like, okay, you know, if the Bears have fallen to Todd Bowles, I think that's a good situation for them. He's a guy that can come in and run this defense well. Um, there probably won't be a big drop-off. And, you know, the Bulls watch probably was, what, lasted about two, two and a half hours. And then Bruce Arians is doing his press conference and talking about how him and the defensive coordinator get along and how he's bringing them and talking to him. And there's the agreement for the past six weeks that if Arians does get a head coaching job, he's bringing the former Jets head coach with them. So that kind of all died out. And now the Bears are in a situation where probably the top guy on their list is gone. Um, they're going to look maybe to hire within. And if they do, Ed Donatel is the likely candidate. But at this point, it seems like he's pretty much off of Denver with Vic Fangio. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, I've been digging around for info and really haven't been able to find out much. Uh, but what I will say is, and you know, he's he's a friend of mine, and I think he's a friend of yours as well. Uh, Jeff Hughes of the Bears blog uh, had just tweeted out something recently that he thinks it's he thinks it's going to be Donatel, which is interesting because Brad, Brad Biggs also put something out earlier that basically said he's either going to be Bowles or uh, or Donatel. We'll see. I you know, I, and that's kind of my thing too is. I mean, you can always go, you can always, uh, you know, go internal and add somebody, and that's kind of been Andy Reid's thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, at least when I look at internal candidates for the Bears right now, I don't really see a lot that I like. And you know, Ed Donatel has been around with Vic Fangio for a while, so there's a decent chance that he could come in and he could, you know, he could run the defense pretty well and. He have learned a lot and everything's good, but I mean, he really wasn't that good of a defensive coordinator. He was very run of the mill, if not kind of like you know the, the, a little bit below average. Um, obviously, he didn't have the talent that he does now, so I, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we we jumped on and did this was, at least for me, the the big the big thing for me when you look at defense coordinators is there's a ton of talent on this team right now so I don't think there's going to be a giant drop off either way or you know there may be a little bit of a natural drop off in terms of they may not be the number one defense they may be the number three or four defense next year or five whatever my bigger concern is is that you want to see the same development that has been going on with some of these players you know Vic Fangio comes in and takes over and the development that he's done for the careers of Akeem Hicks uh, guys like Kyle Fuller that were already established in the league and then you talk about Eddie Jackson Adrian Amos uh, Bryce Callahan I mean there's a Bilal Nichols uh, Eddie Goldman I mean there's all sorts of players that the Bears have drafted that uh you know that Vic Fangio's really had his hands on and molded and turned into. I mean, he he was one of the main reasons that this defense was as good as it was, even if it wasn't his coaching, it was his development. So that's kind of something I want to 
that I've really – and we have no way of knowing that. So who knows? Down and tail could be really good. Whoever they hire could be really good at that. But I guess that's kind of my main focus moving forward as to who they're going to replace him with. Yeah, I – so when your top candidate, if Bowles was the top candidate, which is, we have all indication to believe he is – or was, I'm sorry – um, I prefer, you know, you go in-house just for the fact that someone like Donatello is going to know the system. He knows the scheme. He's familiar with the players. And he's, in a, you know, earned that respect from the players. I go back to a quote Eddie Jackson mentioned, some of the best coaches he's had in his career, his short NFL career and his college career. And he, he named the three coaches on the defensive side from – the two on the defensive side from the Bears in Fangio and Donatello and his college coach, Nick Saban. It's a pretty good – Company. I mean, that doesn't really mean, oh, he's going to be a great coach. But to earn the respect from a player like Eddie Jackson, who pro bowler and arguably, if you know, if he's playing Saturday, Sunday, I think the Bears win that game. But that's for a different story. So, you know, he's got the respect in the locker room. Um, for what I think right now, as we record this podcast on Wednesday night, um, I don't know if there are any leads, if anyone essentially knows who the favorite is anymore right now. I think if you ask four or five different beat writers, I think you might get four or five different answers, and that's nothing against anyone. I just it's it's just been so fresh right now that, you know, we have to give maybe give it some time unless the Bears do announce something early tomorrow. Um but also at the same time, it's gonna be an interesting decision for Ryan Pace because you're coming off a year where you're twelve and four, you had the number one defense in the NFL, you're losing Vic Fangio um, you still have playmakers on defense. There are, you know, you'll have to try and re-sign Adrian Amos or Bryce Callahan, see if they can get both of those done. Um, and then, you know, in terms of a drop-off, I don't think there's going to be a major drop-off, but I, I, I just feel like there's a lot, um, I don't know the right word for it, but a lot of, like, maybe confidence that this defense is going to just be dominant next year. I don't know if that's a guaranteed lock with Fangio gone. Well, I think it's kind of, you know, we're again, we're talking about this before. I, I think that it's natural to expect some sort of drop-off. When you're the number one defense in the league uh, one year, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that the next year you're probably not going to be. Now, I think a natural drop-off, like I said, would be, you know, anywhere from three to five. Okay, we're still in the ballpark. You're talking about probably giving up an extra, you know, point and a half, two points a game maybe 20 or 30 yards, maybe not as many turnovers. That's stuff that you can live with because the reality of the situation for the Bears is the only way that they're going to get better is if that offense gets better. You know, And 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 I, I think we all kind of expect the offense to take a, a sizable step forward next year, and that's something that's going to have to be done. I mean, that's the reason they brought in Matt Nagy was to get the most out of Trubisky to kind of that new age offense, all that stuff. I mean, let's just be real. The, the Bears had a few good stretches, a good, good good few weeks of a stretch on offense. But for the most part, the, the Bears' offense was not very good this year. And they were still able to do what they were able to do based off their defense. So if their defense falls back a little bit, I think that that's not a big deal um, just because I think the offense is going to be in a better position. But it's just a situation where they've got a lot of talent. Uh, it's I mean – if we're being completely honest right now, and maybe this is ignorant to say on my part, but I'm going to say it anyway, just because the Jets just hired they hired Adam Gase as their offensive, or sorry, as their head coach as we're recording this. Yeah, breaking just, news. <laughs> yeah, exactly, breaking news. But we, there's at least to my knowledge, there's only one uh, one job open right now, and that's the the Browns. I would say personally, and this is my my personal take. I think that the Bears' defensive coordinator job is actually more attractive right now than the Cincinnati Bengals head coaching opportunity. And I really think that the Bears have the best job right now in the league. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be jumping up and down, whether that's in the pros, college. I think the Bears would be smart, calculated, you know, be calculated with this, but I think they'd be smart to kind of take their time away their options. There's a lot of names out there. I mean, there's Greg Williams. Uh, you know, a lot of people mentioned Rex Ryan. I'm not. No, I'm just. I have no interest in, in going down that road for multiple reasons. Vance Joseph, Steve Wilkes, uh, Chuck Pagano, who's who's been a pretty good defensive coordinator. You know, over the years, uh, there, man, there's so many names out there, and, and like I said, none of them are really sexy. None of them is Steve Wilkes. And maybe that was just a personal favorite of mine. But there's still a lot of good names out there, and there's a lot of guys. I mean, you can kind of mix and match what you want to do. Now, personally, I want to see a little bit more of an aggressive defense, especially late in the games. If that was the one knock that I had on Fangio, that would definitely be it. Uh, but I also think that when you're looking at when you're looking at defensive coordinators, I think a big thing to keep in mind here is 
don't focus so much on if they're running a 3-4 or 4-3 because most good defensive coordinator, coordinators are able to go from 3-4 to 4-3. That's not really a big deal, especially when you're talking about the fact that most defenses are playing nickel right about 70% of the time. Uh, but I would be more concerned about whatever defensive coordinator they bring in. What kind of coverage scheme is that? Because that's the one big thing with Vic Fangio is – and with Ed Donatello, as they play mainly zone for the most part. I mean, that's that's the thing a lot of people don't know. So he kind of melded to what the Bears had. And I think, especially when you're talking the secondary, I think that's a big thing to keep in mind moving forward. You have Kyle Fuller locked up for a long time. Uh, you have Eddie Jackson, who's going to be here for a long time. You want to be able to fit your coverage scheme in a lot better than you're worried about what kind of front you're going to run, because really that's not going to matter all but you know 30% of the time at best. And that front is, you know, in my opinion, that front is really damn good where the secondary, like you said, the cover scheme is going to be a lot more important. And if you can't get Bryce Callahan or even someone to replace Adrian Amos, I think it's going to take a little step back, even though they do have Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. You did list all those candidates, and that was something I actually wanted to ask you, um, kind of to rank them. Um, so pretty much with that list... Um, give me your ranking of who you'd have right now as we record that's at the top of your list, um, including Ed Donatel. Um, and we'll even throw in Jay Rogers because I think he's a slight candidate because he's in-house and he's done some good work on that defensive line. But give me, okay, I don't want to make you say all eight of them or whatever it was, but give me your top three right now in order, and I'll give you mine when I'm done. Oh, man. You know, that's that's tough because I'll be honest, man. I haven't really done a ton of uh, a ton of work. OK, you know, let me just throw this out here. I think I guess my number one, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I, I don't know why I like him so much. And maybe this is just a little off base right now uh, is Vance Joseph. I think Vance Joseph. Uh, I think Greg Williams is another one, depending on – I think a lot of that's personality fit. I think Greg Williams, in terms of aggressiveness, what he does, what he's been able to do with talent, his overall reputation of being a very good defensive coordinator, I think he would be right up the Bears' alley. Uh, the other one, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, – you know, I, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but I'm going to go ahead and go uh, hmm, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, let's go ahead and say Steve Wilkes. Okay. I, I just, uh, that's, that's my top three, and that's very uneducated, so don't take that for anything. Yeah, oh, no doubt. I mean, because this, this is just still fresh. And we don't even know, like we said, we don't really know the Bears' list of candidates left. Um, if I were to go right now, my preference, I would go Donatel, I would go Wilkes, and I would go Greg Williams. So I think we pretty much have the same list except for the guy at the top. You have you had Vance Joseph at the top, right? Exactly, yeah. You got, you got Donatel, I got Joseph, and then, you know, Wilkes and... I think Pagano's another one. Like I said, I mean, there's he, a lot. Pagano's of, a sneaky one, actually. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There, There is a lot. Of, like I said, they're, they're not bad names. I mean, Steve Wilkes has been a damn good defensive coordinator. Uh, Joseph has been a very well-known defensive backs coach who rose very highly. He was, what, the defensive coordinator for Miami for a year, did pretty damn good, and then got the Denver job. Uh, I mean, and the same thing with Greg Williams. I mean, Greg Williams did a phenomenal, has done a phenomenal job at multiple areas. I mean, and he, I mean, even Ed Dontel. I mean, you're, you're talking about continuity. I mean, there's just there's so many different things that, that, that the Bears can do right now. And I think as long as they don't, I think it's more of not making it's it's not making the or more the point making sure that they don't have a bad decision, you know, and and bringing in somebody that is in over their head or just simply flails. You don't want this Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, coming off of a Kyle Shanahan type of hire, you know, when you're talking about, you know, offensive, defensive guys or whatever. You just want to make sure that you get a guy that knows what he's doing, can get the most out of the talent that he has, and most importantly be able to develop talent, whether that's in the secondary or the, you know, the front seven. I mean, either way. When you said the Sarkeesian uh, mention there, it reminded me of that Bill Barnwell tweet he had earlier today, which is just – God awful! I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, oh, I did. And that's exactly why I'm bringing it up. Oh, oh my God! Anytime Bill Barnwell could take a shot at the Bears, he's going to do it, and that's exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think Steve Wilkes kind of got the crap end of the stick in Arizona. They brought him in, and they had a project at quarterback in Josh Rosen. They had Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon, and then they fired him after one year. And I understand, you know, the 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 Cardinals—they're a rebuilding project. They have um, Patrick Peterson on defense. They've got rid of the Honey Badger. There's not much talent all around on the offense outside of David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, but you can't expect Larry Fitzgerald to be 
the superstar wide receiver that's going to carry your team into the playoffs. It's, it's just not how he is. He's still playing a really high level, but that's not going to work. And David Johnson essentially had that down year coming off the injury. He still put up some decent numbers, but it's not the David Johnson we knew of a, of a couple years ago. So I think he got you know the crap end of the stick, and they went with um, the young offensive-minded head coach who apparently you know um, knew McVay, and they listed that in his bio, which is just the weirdest thing to me. So I, I, I don't get how that really uh, comes into play with coaching experience, but I just, <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I didn't, that, I think he got the wrong end of the stick. Yeah. Well, you know what they say? I mean, if you, if you know Sean McVay, then you're probably going to have a job, but right? I, yeah, I, I don't know, man, with Steve Wilkes and, and granted, and I'm not going to say who, but I know somebody in the, the Cardinals organization. And what I will say is, the overall thought process behind Steve Wilkes and him being fired was that he was in over his head and they realized that before they even got out of training camp. Uh, and like I said, I mean, that's not just one opinion within the front office or within an organization. That was an opinion for a lot of people. And I don't know, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into speculation because I, I just, I don't want to do any of that, but uh, I let's just put it this way: there, there's certain people, and I honestly think Vic Fangio is going to be one of those. As much as I like Vic Fangio, I, I think there's certain people who are great coordinators and not great head coaches. And I think that I think a guy like Steve Wilkes 100% falls into that. Because, and just to give you an idea, like how good Steve Wilkes is uh, as a defensive coordinator. I mean, look at look at the what happened with Carolina this year, right? Carolina has always had really good defenses. Last what four or five years since Ron Rivera has been there, they've had really good defenses. He leaves, and all of a sudden, Carolina's firing defense. You know, they're, they're firing guys on the defense side of the ball, and the defense looks like crap. I mean, their tackling was terrible this year, and they still got a pretty they good. They looked amount. really bad. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, Steve Wilkes would be. I I honestly think he would be. He would be one of. Like I said, I mean, th- that's the thing. There's there's a lot of good names. There's just not that sexy name. There's not a James Betcher out there. There's not a you know a, a Todd Bowles or what you know. There, but there's there's plenty of good names. So. I think that's really what Bears fans just kind of have to understand. I, I think regardless of the fact the Bears are going to be prepared, I think they're going to make the right decision. My only hope is obviously that they can develop guys, and then obviously my other hope would be that whoever they hire uh, isn't going to be a head coaching candidate in you know one or two years. Yeah, and I do tend to agree with you that I do think the Bears' defensive coordinator position is – a very attractive job, and I think it's more attractive than being head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I think they're going to get their guy. They're going to take their time. I don't expect, you know, this podcast is going to release on Thursday. I don't expect the Bears to have made a decision. I I wouldn't be completely shocked, but I don't think they have their guy in mind yet unless it is in-house with Donatello. Um, I think we're looking at something that maybe comes Friday, Saturday, maybe next week if they play it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great job to have because you look at the history here with this, with this city and the bears, it's defense. You look at the hall of famers that have come through here on defense. You look at the talent. You have a guy in Khalil Mack, who is a superstar on the defensive side of the football. You have a ball hawk and Eddie Jackson, who looks like he's going to be a really damn good player for a long time. You have a corner in Kyle Fuller. You have a veteran in Prince of Mukamura. Then you have a nasty defensive front that just is full of talent with Akeem Hicks and the rookie Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman. Um, you're probably going to have Leonard Floyd back in, on his fifth-year option. I, I just think it's a very attractive destination. Um, and I, I I think I trust Ryan Pace to get it right. Um, I know this offseason hasn't gone the way the Bears have wanted to in these short couple of days, but I mean, there's a lot of hope to turn it around, and we'll see what happens. Uh, quickly, though, your thoughts on Gase the Jets? Because we had him here in Chicago briefly, so you know, I, I have to be honest, man. I've I've not I've never really been that impressed with Adam Gase. I thought what he did what he did with Jay Cutler was basically make him a game manager. Like everybody was, oh my god, he was so good with Jay Cutler. He, the only reason that people thought he was good with Jay Cutler is because Jay Cutler didn't turn the ball over. I I think when you when you look at what he did in Miami, I think and speaking of Miami, I think that them and the Bengals are the only two uh, jobs still available right now, and there's damn good reason for that because those both of those franchises, in my opinion, are dumpster fires. But I don't know, man. I I I have a hard time seeing. I, I do, do think it's a better move than Matt Rule, uh, which was one of the other guys that they were talking about bringing in, but. 
I I don't know. I have to admit, I think overall, like this this entire hiring cycle, when you look at what everybody's done, um, there was just not a lot of good candidates out there. And at least if it was me, I would have been more inclined, especially when you have a rookie quarterback like that. Sorry, not a rookie, but Sam Darnold. I would be more inclined to bring somebody who's at least a little more well-versed with dealing with uh, – I wouldn't say young quarterbacks, but I, I guess kind of bringing up quarterbacks because that's the thing. Everybody talks about Adam Gase with Peyton Manning. Well, everybody did well with Peyton Manning. That's just kind of the thing. But at least with Mike McCarthy, and everybody can say what they want to say about him now. Maybe his offenses you know, haven't changed in a while. But he was there through a big portion of Aaron Rodgers, you know, developing and all the different things that he did. He, I mean, dude, Aaron Rodgers is about to be you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback when he re- retires. I, At least for me, I think having stability uh, within the organization and having somebody who, who knows offense pretty well and has a hand in developing quarterbacks, I think would have been my choice, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, you know, the trend also continues. Obviously, Fangio is the defensive coach. Um, so the Broncos went primary defense with that hire. Um, but, you know, the trend is hiring those offensive-minded coaches and the Jets with the young quarterback in Sam Darnold. They want some guy in there that's young, that's that, that's going to work with the offense. And while I agree I wasn't as impressed with Adam Gase um, in his time in Chicago, and then he had the history in Denver with Peyton Manning, um, I could see it. It makes sense because they weren't going to hire someone like Mike McCarthy. Mark McCarthy's not a good coach. He's had Aaron Rodgers for all this time, and, and what he got one Super Bowl out of him. So I, I see why the Jets did it, and... And it makes sense if they want to develop Sam Darnold. Now you have to hope it's the right hire because if it's not, you're going to be doing this thing over again in, in three or four more years. So just a little extra uh, former Bears in the news. But um, let's let's move on. I know you don't want to talk much about it, but um, we're going to get into the playoff game actually because it's been still so fresh. Um, before we do that, though, let's take one more break so we can hear from our sponsors, um, and then we'll recap the Bears playoff game. And welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. We just touched on the breaking news this morning of Vic Fangio leaving the Bears to become the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Um, as we're recording, former Bears offensive coordinator Adam Gase just got hired by the New York Jets. We touched a little bit on that. Um, but yeah, Aaron, let's get into this playoff game on Sunday. I, it's still a sore subject for both of us. Um, we talked about a little bit about it in the intro, and you know, I think... I, I don't want to speak for you, but I was stunned. Um, I thought the Bears were going to win this game. I thought they were going to win. I don't. I didn't think they were going to cover the spread. I thought six and a half was just way too much. But I thought they were going to win, have it in control late in the game. Um, what were your overall thoughts from that game and, and how it actually started for the Bears? Well, I, I thought as the week went on, it was kind of one of those it, it, things kind of got more into perspective. And you, you, I think we all kind of questioned it. I think everybody did. You know, how big of a role is experience going to matter in this? And, and honestly, I think it was a pretty resounding experience matters. And I think that's really kind of what we saw. And don't get me wrong, the Eagles didn't play a great game by any means. But I think, at least for me, watching the game, starting off the, the first two drives of the game, defensive drive, it was like you could just tell right off the bat that something wasn't quite right. It just there, there was just that usually the Bears kind of set the tone defensively. They come out, they get that three and out, whatever it is, and everything's good. It just didn't really feel that way. And they had that what was it that was it a third down conversion? I think with uh, was that little dump off that got them out to close to the fifty or whatever. Yeah, the, uh, the screenplay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you had that, and you're like, all right. And then the Bears get the ball, and just watching that offense, you could tell right off the bat, I was like, well, Matt Nagy is going to call, not going to call a good game. And I think that's really what it came down to is that I think my overall thoughts for the game was I think the Bears, quite frankly, if we're, if we're being honest, I, th- I thought the Bears looked pretty unprepared for the most part. I thought they looked sloppy. Uh, I thought that they simply looked like, they look like a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in eight years. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I, they just, they, even, even within like the San Francisco game, you know, we, we've seen some games where the bears haven't really looked that great, but you still kind of have that feeling throughout the entire game. Like they're going to figure it out and do just enough to win. And quite frankly, I mean, if you look at it, they, they handled the Packers pretty well for the most part. They absolutely handled the, the Vikings, uh, I mean, they handled the Rams even for as sloppy as that game was. And then you look at just, 
you know, you look at this game against the Eagles, and at least to me, and maybe it's just my pessimistic nature, but there was never a time in the game where I'm like, yeah, the Bears are going to win this game. Like, there was just there was just that feeling like this is going to come down to something or they're going to lose close or whatever it is. But I never really had a feel from it, especially after those first two drives. I never thought the Bears were really truly in control, and that's something that we really haven't seen from them in a while. Agreed 100%. There was never a time where I thought, okay, the Bears are definitely going to win this game. There, there, there was that time in the fourth quarter where the Bears got the ball back, they were ahead, and all they had to do was pretty much pick up two to three first downs, and this game was over, where I'm like, okay, they could put it away, but I was never fully confident. And going back to the start of the game, yeah, you know, the the defense got essentially a win after, you know, the, the Eagles had that screenplay on third down that went for the first down. They held them to a field goal. They were fired up. You saw Leonard Floyd made the stop, and he was fired up. The offense comes out, and, and right away you could tell. I don't know if it was Matt Nagy's nerves. I don't want to use the word scared because I don't think he was scared of Doug Peterson. I don't think Nagy won the show his hand right away. That or he kind of won the slow play of the game. And if you go back and look, look at the big games the Bears have played this year with Minnesota twice, um, the one Sunday night game against the Vikings, the, the Rams game, the Packers game. Matt Nagy came out, there was a lot of motion. There was maybe an end around thrown in there or kind of just a small little unconventional gadget play where, you know, you throw a quick quick screen or something like that, uh, kind of get this offense in flow. They never got into a rhythm. You never saw any of that. You saw a lot of just quick short throws outside the numbers that the Eagles were really good and were ready for. And the adjustments were made, but they were made, in my opinion, way too late in the second half. That Eagles secondary, 30th in the NFL in passing yards, given up, going into that game. They were playing with essentially a banged-up secondary, and you had a guy like Avante Maddox who was biting on every double move in, in the game, and the Bears didn't recognize that until the second half. So I, I was more disappointed in that first half on Matt Nagy. I didn't think the offense, I didn't think he put the offense in a position to um, be able to get into a rhythm and move the ball down the field and, and, and show us what he's done all year. It just, it looked like a completely different team in the first half than what we've seen the entire season. Well, I agree. And, and, and the thing is, is and it's, I'm glad you pointed out like, you know, the whole double move with Vontae Maddox. I mean, this is something, and that's kind of, that's the one thing that I've been a little uh, not happy with with Mitt Nagy. And I, I think part of it, I'll be honest, I think part of it is the Bears' offense, quite frankly, plateaued. They plateaued weeks ago to where I think we kind of hit the, you know, the year one of Matt Nagy, uh, you know, offense. I mean, it's just what it was. You got a lot of new guys in there. I think that, you know, all the all the little tricks and gadgets and movement and all that crap finally stopped fooling people. And, you know, it just kind of got down to the fact that Matt Nagy was obviously uh, more comfortable with Trubisky, you know, making safer throws and maybe not stretching the field as much, running the ball more. Okay, that's fine. My problem is is that you had a team, like you said, that had a terrible second. They were running out guy. Okay, Craven LeBlanc was not even on the team until about seven or eight weeks ago, right? You had Avante yeah. Maddox who was who's been playing pretty bad all year for the most part. You had a guy in Razul Douglas who everybody was starting to think maybe, you know, he was pretty good last year and he was looked like crap this year. Uh, Roddy McLeod was out. Uh, you know, he, he, he's out for the season. You had uh, Ronald Darby, who was out for the season. Sidney Jones, who, who's been out for multiple weeks. Was it Sullivan that was back there, too? I think so. And that's, yeah. and that's kind of the thing. That's, that's my whole entire point. I mean, we're, look, we're looking at, we're talking about guys that weren't even either A on the team or weren't even slated to basically play any sort of snaps. And it took Matt Nagy basically three quarters to figure out that he could he could still hit the deep ball, and that's the, and that's my whole thing. I mean, they ran the ball, designed runs. They ran the ball fifteen times all game. They ran the ball fifteen times. You got a guy in Jordan Howard who's finally started heating up. You got a guy in Tariq Cohen who's been your best offensive weapon all year. And he touches the ball not even five times. I mean, it's just that kind of stuff that it. I understand it's his first playoff game as a head coach. It's a, for a lot of these guys' first playoff games. I, I get that. But, you know, it, it comes down to a point. The Bears were obviously more the more talented team. I thought the Bears are obviously a, a better team overall. 
But it really feels like the Bears basically went out there. They came out flat. I, I honestly think in some ways the moment was too big for some of them, uh, including Matt Nagy at times. And I think really what happened was they came out flat and they never figured it out. And I think that's just really what it comes down to. And, and despite all of that, and we'll get into this here in a little bit, despite all of that, they still had a chance to win the game with Cody Parkey, and they missed the field goal. So it's it's one of those situations for as bad as they played in their first playoff game, they were one made field goal away from, or either one made field goal or one defensive stop away from playing this weekend. With that being said, and this is this is the one thing that I have come to grips with this weekend, with or this week. With this being said, I and I can confidently say this: the Bears were not beating the Rams this weekend. The Bears were not beating the Saints a week from now. They just they simply. I, I simply do not believe that they were ready. I really don't. Which is a different tone because, you know, if you were to ask myself going into the playoffs, and I'm sure you probably would have had the same answer, going into the playoffs, I would have said the Bears were going to beat the Rams if they beat the Eagles. I would have said they would have given the Saints a run for their money. Um, Absolutely. I 100% agree. That's exactly how I yep. felt. But after watching that game, I don't think the Bears would have won another game in the playoffs. I'm, I'm with you too. Um, now, just before we get into the whole parking thing, if that ball hits the upright, bounces the crossbar, and goes in, I'm the it's the Bears' year, which is a weird feeling. I, I'm like, okay, it might be the Bears' year, but that that didn't happen. We'll get into that. Um, going back to that offense, the point on offense where teams kind of figured out the gadget stuff, that's true. I do agree with that. Um, I I think teams have started started to catch on late, but it did work late in the season. It's not like it was completely shut down, um, but teams did catch on, so I, I completely agree at that point. But we didn't even see Matt Nagy attempt any of that. Like, that was the weird thing. Like, the the first quarter or two, you didn't even see that from Matt Nagy, which I don't know what it was. Maybe it was nerves. Maybe he was worried. And it reminded me of a game, and I, let me get your thoughts on this quickly. I'm going to tell you this game. Week one against the Packers, the Bears marched right down the damn field. They scored. They looked great on offense the first half. The second half, Matt Nagy put everything in the playbook away, and we're going to go into a shell and hope we can protect the lead. This felt like the complete opposite. He came out in the shell, and then the second half, they came out and just opened up the playbook completely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I. It, it was weird. It was so I, weird. I'm getting yeah, it's, and I hate to say it, but I'm getting I'm I'm getting frustrated even thinking about it because it just. And I don't know. Maybe you feel differently, but to me, it just—it wasn't. This, we didn't see the same Bears team that we've seen the last six or seven weeks. We we didn't see a nine and one, a team that went nine and one in the last ten games going into that game. I I just saw not at uh, all. Yeah. Uh, at least from a play calling perspective and just overall, I guess saying overwhelmed, whatever. It was almost poetic justice in a way to me because I honestly believe that the Bears looked more like their Week One team outside of a few different players, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute, but I think they look more like they did in week one uh, in the second half than they looked on their 9-1 and run over the last 10 games. No doubt. I would agree with that. Um, outside of that fourth quarter, uh, moments in that fourth quarter, I would say, um, yeah, I, I just it was just really weird, and I, I think Matt Nagy's the right guy. Um, I think that first playoff game, it's always tough. You know, you, you have those nerves. As much as you say you don't, have you're not nervous you're definitely nervous um it's it's another learning experience for him and he took week one as a learning experience and look what the bears did they rattled off what four straight victories three straight victories and then had that nine and one stretch so we'll we'll see if Nagy learns um i want to go back though before we get into the parking thing just really quick yeah that when the, with the eagles secondary when the bears figured out oh hey you can torch this guy in a double move they hit that what three times I think in the fourth quarter their end of the third quarter fourth quarter they hit it on Robinson twice and Bellamy had a double move that freed him up and Trubisky threw a really good ball I just it just it was so frustrating seeing Mitch just be so good in that second half and then compared to what they were in the first half and you know what could have been if Nagy would have opened up the playbook maybe he was scared Trubisky was going to make a mistake I I don't know it just seemed like Nagy just was not aggressive um like you said, though, the Bears did have a chance with all that with all that went wrong in the first half. The Bears are holding the lead. They come out. The Eagles come out. The Bears, I believe, I don't know if it was a three and out in the fourth quarter. I want to say it was 
either a three and out or they ran the Eagles ran six plays and then had a punt. The Bears had the ball back just over six or seven minutes, and the offense had a chance. Put the game away with a couple first downs. What happens? Kyle Long misses a block in the gap. Loss of, what, three or four. A sack on the blitz. A loss of five or six. And then a short dump off where the Eagles essentially, it was third and 20, and the Eagles essentially played 10 yards off the, you know, off the line of scrimmage and said, all right, try getting it. you're going to give you these 10 yards and try getting it past us. The Bears had their chances. When that drive ended and the Bears had a punt, I just there was just a bad feeling that here we go again. The defense is not going to be able to stop them here. And then you look and Pat O'Donnell shanks a punt about 35 yards out of bounds and gives the Eagles great field position. Yeah, well, and I, and I think that's another thing to kind of point out here is that that three and out – you come out, you, you make the stop, everything looks like it's going in your direction. The Bears had a chance to put the game away, and that's something – and that's another thing. That's something that they have been doing in, in weeks past where they come out and they put the game away. And it was like that stupid run that didn't go for anything, then Trubisky gets sacked, and then they dump it off, and then the punt. And you saw the punt, and it's like it lands at the 40, and you're just sitting there thinking, okay, well, I think we know how this is going to end, at least on the drive. And it's amazing. I mean, they get all the way down there, and they almost make the stop, but – I guess my bigger my bigger thing here is is that the bear the bear special teams and that's another thing that that I think maybe we overlooked a little bit all season because things were going so well the bear special teams has been crap for most of the year and the thing is is people can point and say okay well O'Donnell and O'Donnell, O'Donnell did have some good punts in that game uh, and you know whatever else, but the the reality of the matter is, it seems like when any time the Bears actually need O'Donnell to have a good punt, he never has a good punt. He's inconsistent. If you look at his stats, he was middle of the league this year. I think he was actually uh, the bottom half of the league this year in net net average and overall average in punts uh, inside the twenty. I think he was right around average as well. I mean, the reality of the matter is, the Bears' new staff took over and they said, okay, they they looked at O'Donnell and. They went. They went after, and I don't think a lot of people remember this. They went after Kevin Huber, the punter for for Cincinnati. They they wanted somebody else. They wanted an upgrade, and ultimately ended up having to settle. And I, I think that that's kind of going to be a big thing this coming off season for the Bears. They have got to get their their special teams figured out. I mean, obviously we know the rest of the story. Trubisky goes down. Um, they get in a position where the Bears have to kick a what was a 42 or 43 yard field goal. Either way, the the overall percentage of making that kick around the NFL is over 90 percent, and Cody Parkey misses it. And it's just, I mean, there's two things that I dissect here, and I'm, I'm sure we probably better do this quickly because it, it seems like we're probably you know getting close on time here. Uh, we can look at the positive here and say, holy crap, Mitchell Trubisky came out of nowhere and really surprised me. I mean, I'm a big Trubisky fan, but I'll tell you what, you know, one thing that's making me real happy moving into this offseason once I get over this loss is the fact that he led the Bears with 115 yards and passing yards in the, in the fourth quarter alone. He had some big drives. He had some big throws. Uh, really, I mean, he, he was – Let's just put it this way. If Cody Parkey makes that kick, we're talking about, and I think the national media is, even though a lot of them are still trashing Trubisky right now, I really think if Cody Parkey makes that kick, we're talking about how damn impressive Mitchell Trubisky was in that last quarter. Because, man, what he was able to do, uh, you know, two out of those three drives and the, some of the throws he was able to make, some of the decisions that he was able to make, I mean, that was that was prime Trubisky in the biggest moment of his life, uh, you know, in, in his career period. And he came out and he showed, I, at least to me, he showed a lot. The throw on that drive to get him into field goal range to Allen Robinson in that tight window between two defenders, that's the type of throw with all the mistakes Trubisky's made this year and, and then some the times where he's looked bad, that is one of those throws. That one I go back to a third down where he hit Taylor Gabriel over the middle and just delivered a strike. Those are the two throws that make you look like, oh my God, this kid can be a really good quarterback. And that was promising to see. And and you're right. If Cody Parkey doesn't doink it twice, which we all should have saw coming. We all should have seen this coming. How I, I don't I I don't understand how it's a surprise to many people. And nothing against Cody Parkey. I, I understand he faced the music after the game. He stood up. He could easily left that locker room before the media even got in there. He was the first one to talk. 
and, and admitted it. And, you know, I just, it's just, it sucks to lose that way. But going back to O'Donnell, one thing I did know, and I heard from um, Patrick Manley, who was on the score the other night. If you watch that punt, Pat O'Donnell tries to sky it, okay? Tries to sky that punt, and he hits it wrong. You can tell right away he hits it wrong, and obviously it shanks. If he hits just a normal drive on the punt, just a just a drive punt, I mean, we're probably talking there's an extra 15, 20 yards that the Eagles are backed up because Darren Sproles either either isn't, isn't is too scared to, for some reason, field that punt because he had two where he'd let go that he probably should have fielded. But if O'Donnell just hits a drive and lets, and lets the coverage get down there, I think we're ta- probably talking about a different result in this game. And I don't want to blame it all on O'Donnell or Parkey, but you're right. Special teams have been awful for the Bears this year. Not only in punting, not only in field goal kicking, but the coverage and the penalties they've they've accumulated on special teams have just been – it's something that has to get fixed. Well, that's and that's kind of the thing. I mean, I, I guess this would probably be a really good time to wrap this up with a little Cody Parkey talk. Special teams as a whole needs to improve for the Bears. Uh, I don't think, and you know, maybe this is just an emotional take. Although I was never impressed with the hire to begin with, uh, I would personally get rid of Chris Tabor. I would get rid of Pat O'Donnell, and I would get rid of Cody Parkey. I, I really think, if you look at most good uh, playoff teams right now, a lot of them have at least average special teams unit, is if not better. Special teams has been a problem for the Bears for a while, and it's not just kicking. Pat O'Donnell has never been a good punter. He's been average. He's he's shown flashes of greatness, and then he's shown flashes of what the hell are you doing? And that's exactly what we saw in the playoff game. And I think really it comes down to you look at Cody Parkey. People can say, well, you know, uh, it shouldn't have ever been on him to make that kick, or you know, if you're if you're expecting you know your kicker to make a kick in that kind of situation, then you probably shouldn't have won the game anyway. There's there's all sorts of stuff people will say, and you know whatever. You can you can say whatever you want, but here's here's the the reality of the matter. Okay, Cody Parkey missed eleven total kicks. Uh, he had the you know the miss extra points. He had the you know ten overall in the in the in the regular season as far as missed kicks, and they had the one in the playoffs. If Cody Parkey makes that kick in Miami, the Bears are thirteen and three, and they're sitting Thank there with the number one seed. And playoff home field playoff advantage throughout, or, you know, uh, home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. Thank right? you for bringing that up. Well, and, and that's the other thing. So if he makes this kick against Philly, the Bears are at least moving on. They've won a playoff game. You know, whatever else. The point being here is is that okay? You can say whatever you want in terms of well, they shouldn't have ever been in that position. The Bears' offense only scored you know six points, and Cody Parkey had nine. Whatever you want to call it. You know, there's a reason that that guys like Adam Vinatieri, for example, are famous and have such respect, and it's because they make big kicks uh, when it matters the most in the playoffs. And ultimately, at least in my mind, I understand Cody Parkey's got $5.2 million in dead money if the Bears cut him, and they could cut that down if they do a June 1st cut. It goes down a little under $4 million. Regardless of the fact that the Bears cut him, they're going to be eating at least right around $4 million. So, you know, that that's just something that needs to get out in the open right now. But here's the thing. How can you possibly sit here, if you're Ryan Pace, and convince your fan base, convince your team? I don't care what these guys are saying in front of the media. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I, I simply don't. How can you sit here and convince anybody that you're a playoff contender, that you're a Super Bowl contender moving into next year if you keep a guy like Cody Parkey? I don't care if it was one bad year. The fact is he missed too many kicks this year. He cost the Bears game. He cost the Bears their biggest game of the season. It doesn't matter with the money. $4 million in the grand scheme of things when the, when the salary cap is supposed to be $190 million or more this way any you know this year anyway – You've got to make a move. I, I I don't see that there's and especially for his well being. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that you can bring Cody Parkey back after what happened this season. I just don't think there there's a way. That's a great that's a great point. You want to know why? Because yeah, I, I'm you know I'm all for redemption tours, and I like to see guys you know do good after they've made a mistake. He comes out there training camp in Bourbon A in July. What's the first thing that's going to happen when Cody Parkey walks on that field? He's going to get booed by Bears fans. It's going to completely just I, – I don't know how much confidence he has left after that missed kick, but any if he had any, it's just going to completely diminish all of that. You cannot you can't send him out there on training camp and, and let the fans do that to him. It's just – got to move on. You can't go into next year. You have 
If you're Ryan Pace and you truly believe your team is ready to take this next step and be a legit Super Bowl contender, you have to fix the one... Well, you have to fix the whole unit, but you have to fix now kicker is the most important position in the offseason for them. I mean, it's, it becomes the biggest need for them, in my, in my opinion. I'd say that's 100% accurate. And there's one guy, and we'll get into this more as the offseason moves along, there's one guy that is, if he's available... And I'm telling you right now, I've, I've talked to a few different people, and everybody's kind of echoing the same thing. There's there's mutual interest between Robbie Gold and a, and a Bears reunion. Obviously, you know, you'd have to work out the logistics of all that, and that's assuming that the 49ers don't place the franchise tag on him, which could happen. You'd also need somebody who could actually do kickoffs because he doesn't do kickoffs anymore. But there's one guy, man. I mean, if they're if they're willing to sink seven, eight million dollars, uh, you know, into kickers this year because you're still gonna have to pay gold probably three or four million dollars a year for this one year, then he's probably the one guy that you want. But I mean, either way, you you can't you simply cannot bring Cody Parkey back. And the one thing I want to close with with Cody Parkey that a lot of people are making excuses. Oh, the kick was blocked. Okay, but here's the thing: the kick was blocked because of the loft on the ball. The kick wasn't. It was blocked. too low. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. the thing. The, the kick wasn't blocked because Trayvon Hester penetrated through the line and you know jumped up in the air and blocked the, the punt. Trayvon Hester threw his hand up in the air and got a hand on it. it. And then that was as simple as that. There was no penetration on the line. It's still up to Cody Parkey. And Jay Feely is the one who tweeted this out, who was a kicker, who knows exactly what he's talking about. He was hired to be an analyst for kickers on the, you know these NFL broadcasts said, it's still on Cody Parkey. It doesn't matter if it was blocked or not. The block was still on Cody Parkey. The fact that he missed 11 field goals, the fact that they didn't have a first-round bye to begin with, the fact that they're not playing this weekend, a lot of that is on Cody Parkey. I feel bad for the guy. He seems like a great dude, all that stuff. With that being said, if you're a Super Bowl contender, you consider yourself a Super Bowl contender, you got to get a new kicker. It's as simple as that. Agreed. And and Hester, the guy that blocked it, is I believe he's only 6'2", 6'3", and he, he didn't get – I mean, it's not like he's – jumping through the sky on that. I mean, he barely got off the ground. No offense to him. He made a hell of a play, but Cody Parkey's kick was way too low. And look at the one that they called timeout on. That one barely got over the crossbar. Barely got over the crossbar. Staley caught it. Staley caught that ball. So I wonder if Cody Parkey thought, maybe I'll have to kind of line drive this one or get it just a little lower because he did arch the last one and barely got over the post. Um, yeah, I hate I hate to end the podcast on that bad memory, but uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Aaron, are you going to watch any of the playoff games this week? Oh, man, I, I say I won't, but I'm sure I probably will. I don't know, man. I, I, I'll admit, uh, I, wish, I tried watching the BCS game on Monday night, and, or the BCS, the, the, the championship the college football game on Monday night. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I tried and I tried and I tried and it's just, there's just too much. <laughs> it's still too fresh for me. So I guess we'll see what happens. And one thing I will say is I will absolutely be rooting for the Eagles to lose this weekend. I, I there's just no, no other way around that for me at least. Yeah. I, to be honest, I don't know who I want in the NFC. I, I'm kind of hoping it's the, uh, I'd like to see the Rams, honestly. Give me the Rams, and then in the AFC, I'm kind of hopping on the Colts bandwagon, and I'm hopping the Chargers bandwagon. I just, I like to see one of those two teams make it to the Super Bowl. I think, I think Philip Rivers getting the Super Bowl would be cool, and I think Indy, with Andrew Luck and and that turnaround they've had, I think that'd be awesome to see them in the Super Bowl if it's not the Chargers. But yeah, Aaron, uh, it sucks that we have to talk about the off season, but uh, like I said, what 27 to 30 more podcasts before. We're breaking down games again. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining me again, man. Where can they all follow you on Twitter? At? You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and I mean it'll get this will get easier. I mean it's we're obviously now we got something to look forward or not look forward to, but look for with with replacing Big Fangio, and the off season's going to be here before we know. It. The Bears are in good shape. I mean, if we really want to end this on a good on a good positive note, the Bears are in good shape. The future is bright for this team. It just sucks it ended this way. But unfortunately for 31 out of 32 teams, it ends this way every year for somebody like this. So it just it, it exactly. is. Uh, yeah, and, and you can read both of our work on uh, the Bear Report. We're on the forums. And uh, it's going to be a fun offseason, I think. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to get excited, I want to say. I'm not excited right now that the Bears lost. But I think once the Super Bowl is done, I'll be excited to kind of dip into the free agency and the draft stuff and – We'll get it all going again. But thanks again, for everyone, for listening. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much any major 
um, podcast host. Um, give us a like, review it, rate it, do all that fun stuff, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.